Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The fourth season of Long Winter continues with Volume 3 at the Great Hall in Toronto on Saturday, January 16th, 2016. This edition features music by Valens, Loom, Mystic Triangle, Nicole Dollinganger, Michelle Macadori, Indoor Voices, Juge, Stuka, Pantanio, Cora, Strands, Kiwi Jr., Young Bambi, The Seams, Bossy, and Overnight. And art performance, installation, and dance by the likes of Zoo Owl, Brett Zadravets, Tiffany Schofield, and Dorica Manuel, Marbella and Carlos, Lisa Cristinzo, Sarah Friend and Farley, Vetch, Ben Camino, Jason Dole, Damian Lebedeski, Paloma Dawkins, and Spencer Butt. Down in the Black Box, attend a 9 p.m. taping of an episode of the talk show, Long Night with Vish Khanna, with special guests Tom Power from CBC Radio, musician Michelle Mac- the new supergroup Tunes and comedy by Deadpan PowerPoint. Plus the Long Winter Arcade, curated by the Hand Eye Society. Long Winter Year 4, Volume 3 is all ages and pay what you can at the door with $10 advance tickets available online. The Great Hall is not a wheelchair accessible venue located at 1087 Queen Street West. Come out Saturday, January 16th at 7 p.m. and visit TorontoLongWinter.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O-G-U-E-L-P-H dot C-A. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Thank you.
Stephen Lamke is a gifted musician, songwriter, and singer based in Toronto, Ontario. A member of the Constantines, over the past decade, Lamke has also released a wondrous solo discography under the moniker Baby Eagle. He recently retired Baby Eagle to work under his own name for the stunning album Days of Heaven, which was released on his own label, You've Changed Records, and is one of the finest collections of songs to come out in 2015. Throughout January, Lamke takes a full band on the road across Ontario, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia. And here to discuss this further is Stephen Lamke. Uh, good day, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, Vish. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Well, you are. I presume you are in your home in Toronto. I am in my home in Toronto, in the basement. The basement. The basement. <laughs> it's well, comfortable down here. Do you actually have a nice basement? Because every home basement I've been in in Toronto is kind of a dingy, dungeony kind of thing. Well, it's it's a it's a partially finished basement in Toronto. It's it's I would I would put it somewhere in the spectrum between dingy and nice. Right, you've got it kind of partially done and what can you play music and stuff down there if you want to? I do. I mean, I play. I play guitar. I don't play drums or uh, bassoon or anything <laughs> too loud. <laughs> You're not playing a lot of bassoon. <laughs> yeah, I do that in the in the um, the uh, playground across the street. Right. Oh, that's that sounds that sounds weirder than if you were just doing it in your basement. I <laughs> uh, no, It's. I mean, it, the basement's fine. It's fine. It's it's a it's a little corner to call my own and to focus on. On speaking to you. Yes. Oh, I appreciate that you went down to the basement to focus on on me. <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. I think right <laughs> away I want to address something that uh, I mentioned in the introduction, which is the name change. Uh, this uh, can be a pretty simple decision for some people to make. Uh, some people are really, even if they they stick themselves with a name that they don't like for fear of messing with their branding and whatnot, they will they will sometimes feel a pressure to keep a name they don't like. Can you talk a little bit about why you felt at this point you needed to uh, let go of the Baby Eagle name and and come out as yourself? I suppose. I it just felt right. I didn't. I finished the record uh, Days of Heaven and then start to think about it coming out into the world, and it didn't. It just didn't feel right to call it a Baby Eagle record for not for any particular coherent or or discussable reasons exactly um more just an intuitive decision that that it was a different thing it felt um like a bit of i don't know it didn't feel like a continuation exactly of the of the last bunch of baby eagle records so i decided to call it my own name have it come out as a Stephen Lamke record. Now, Baby Eagle took on different forms. I mean, when you started playing music on your own outside of the Constantines, you played as Baby Eagle, and you would play solo shows and, and whatever. Sometimes you'd have some collaborators from time to time, but then yeah. gradually there became kind of a Baby Eagle gang, so to speak. You know, there was a band. Um, so are you suggesting that Baby Eagle started to feel more like a band, and this felt like a departure from that? 
Well, I'm not, I'm actually not trying to say that because that would be really clear and I could have said that, I think, but it, it was more an intangible, uh, a feeling that this was different. Um, I mean, in this, like I still, I still perform with people and made the record with, with other musicians and stuff when I, uh, and I like doing that, you know? And so this isn't like this, the name, using my own name wasn't meant to indicate like now I am alone in the world. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm still in many respects operating the same way as I operated under um, using the name Baby Eagle. Uh, but at the end, Baby Eagle did. I, the last record we did as Baby Eagle was sort of consciously a band record, Baby Eagle and the Proud Mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the record's called Bone Soldiers. And I... I that record was sort of designed to be a band record and I was thinking about and listening to sort of punk rock and stuff that I hadn't listened to in a long time uh, when I made that and I wanted to present it as a band, you know. It was Ian on drums and and Will was playing guitar and Nick uh, Ferry was playing bass and Spencer ended up playing guitar on the record too. And so it was made and, and toured to some extent and presented as a band project. Uh... And I could, like, honestly, I could see doing that again sometime, you know? So oh, okay. I, like, none of this stuff is necessarily, like, conclusive or, like, Baby Eagle's not been, you know, taken out behind the barn and shot, necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, in the in your question, you asked me about, like, or you, you mentioned, like, the, the value of, like, the brand or whatever. And to speak completely candidly and honestly like there was no value in the baby eagle brand so it's not like a heavy decision to be discussed with like the marketing department you know whether we call the record (laughs) baby eagle or you know Stephen lamke or whatever else um so i like i said i was just going up base basically on a uh intuition that this this felt different the songs um yeah, I don't know. They didn't necessarily relate to the Baby Eagle, the last few Baby Eagle records or any of them. Um, and it felt like a nice time to sort of put that a little bit aside as a body of work and say, like, now this is a new thing, you know? Yeah, it sounds um, like it sounds like the, the name change was intangible but not insignificant. There was a relevant, and as you say, it wasn't necessarily based on any kind of name recognition in either case. It, it just felt yeah. It just felt right. It just felt right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, you do reach a point where like you've named yourself something or you've adopted a name that maybe someone else referred to you as once. Uh, and it starts to feel stupid, you know, and you're telling relatives or whoever that you're a baby eagle. And it just, you know, there's a bit of like, man, that just doesn't feel cool anymore. You know? <laughs> sure. But sure. the ba- I mean, the Baby Eagle name was like, that was something that I think was Fat Bobby or Kid or one of the Oneida guys had referred to to me as Baby Eagle in some piece of writing once. And I was like, like basically right when I was making the first uh, Baby Eagle record with uh, John Sampson and Christine Fellows in Winnipeg. Um, and so I needed to call it something. And, and those guys all had cool names and, you know, Fat Bobby and Kid Millions and pop crazy and stuff so i thought names are cool you know (laughs) that's like there's my oneida name sure so it's kind of weirdly i didn't know that i didn't know that the so in a sense the name baby eagle was kind of bestowed upon you absolutely yeah 
Yeah, and then like you agree to to wear it, you know, as a mantle or a uniform for a while. Right. Yeah. So this is you breaking out on some level and saying, yeah, but screw Oneida, like screw. Against, yeah, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a, a rebellion against Oneida, you know. <laughs> I I I I encourage people to listen to Oneida. Yes. You know, both both their music and what they're telling you. Sure. You know. Fan- yeah. Fantastic band. Fantastic band. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Men. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've talked about the the change, the feeling that this didn't suit, or rather wasn't a continuation of something you've you've made before. The musical aesthetic here does seem, um, it seems more complex. It seems more. I'm. I want to be careful with this because I don't want to diminish any of the music you've, the kind of guitar rock that you've made as Baby Eagle or Baby Eagle and the Proud Mothers, because I think it's really mighty and, and forceful and interesting and intricate in its own right. But it and, and I think when you when someone says, Oh, those baby that, that those last few Baby Eagle records are kind of punk rock, for some people that's a it's a minimization or something of of what it I, I think it's more complicated than whatever that might connote. I don't know. I don't know how to phrase that because I don't think of punk rock as a simple form. Um, no, and I don't either, but I do, I did consciously with Bone Soldiers, the last Baby Eagle record, the Baby Eagle and the Proud Mothers record, I did, I was listening to a lot of punk rock, some that I hadn't listened to in a long time, or some that I had never really investigated, you know, like early, early punk rock stuff, like, like, you know, uh, Richard Hell and, and television and, you know, and revisited Fugazi and Lungfish and some of those things. And I was thinking like, oh, I want to, I want to think about this stuff as I'm writing these tunes as like a fully grown man. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, so it was, it was using or trying to digest some of those influences, but as like the person I am now, you know, or, or was a couple of years ago when I was writing that record, not trying to like recapture youth exactly. You know, it wasn't like meant to revisit or, uh, you know, recreate anything. It was uh, just sort of re-engaging with, with maybe influences that I hadn't thought about for for a long time. Well, the musical aesthetic of Days of Heaven is quite difficult to pin down. Um, it's it seems more complex. It seems uh, perhaps more more original, more distinctive on some level. Can you talk about the aesthetic of the record and and perhaps what informed it? I would say that like the music is. It is more complex. I guess the other thing I was going to say about the Baby Eagle stuff is I also went through a phase which was basically around the time of dog weather where I was purposefully trying to write really simple songs that I could teach anyone like how the song went and we could go play basically immediately because I was playing with different people, didn't have like any kind of solid band or group of people that I was playing with all the time. So the idea was like, okay, well, this song's only three chords and nothing, they don't change, you know, things sort of change around, you know, uh, in the approach or the lyrics or whatever. But basically you can, you can play along by me just telling you that it's C and G back and forth. Sure. Um, so that was a bit of a conceptual underpinning of, of simplicity in at, at that time, writing those songs but after a while, that becomes less interesting, or you just become interested in other things. So definitely, with uh, "Days of Heaven" and maybe some of the songs I've written, you know, 
in the last few years, um, I was I was definitely not thinking about that approach anymore. And so I was allowing myself to to learn and develop other ways. So there's definitely like I hesitate to say like they're sophisticated songs because um, I'm I'm a naturally very humble person, you know. But there there's more chords. I can say that for sure, you know. Like in the songs, change keys or they they sort of uh, uh, drift between you know major and minor keys and that kind of thing. So in that sense, I think they're maybe more sophisticated. It might not be the word I would choose, but they're there's yeah there's more chords numerically there's more chords in in these songs you know for the most part well there's certainly not a lot of g to c stuff going on or if there is it's just quickly going somewhere else uh, yeah it's it's a it's like a rubbery it's a more rubbery sound i don't know i i sometimes have trouble describing contemporary um dylan because uh bob dylan's music of the last 15 years or so has been so strange uh on some level like it's people can pick out blues structures but i think the more you listen there's all this weird jazz stuff going on and and it doesn't really make a ton of sense on some level uh some of it and i i don't know i heard a bit of him in here i heard a bit of bill callahan in here and will oldham just people who sure. who take sort of those basic or the, anyway some of the ideals of of generic signifiers but then turn them on their head and i i hear that here and i and i i'm just it sounds like it was a natural outgrowth of like all right i did the simple stuff or simpler stuff uh now i'm going to try to just push myself in another direction is is that is that fair i think it's totally fair i don't think it it happens that consciously you know but but i think it's fair i mean when you when you're writing songs and you've been writing simple songs that are maybe all like major chords or whatever, or they stay like in the same key. If when you suddenly realize, Oh, like you can drop that, even though that chord is major, if you throw it in as a minor, you know, at some point in the song, it, it still works by your ear. Yeah. You know, and I don't know much, like I hardly know anything about music theory. I basically know nothing about music theory. But just through process of discovery, like you can learn a trick like that and then you start trying it. And suddenly you're like the emotional realm of the song is significantly more like ambivalent and uh, mature and um, can evoke evoke something less direct, I think. Right. That's the goal anyways. So that I think there's there's definitely some of that at play, you know, in the Days of Heaven tunes and. Um, but without like, totally excluding simplicity, I mean, the song Days of Heaven is only three chords. It's three major chords. Like, it, So there is still... I try not to write with any solid or final rules, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a question of just trying to make the song work, and sometimes that's simple, and sometimes that involves putting a bit more uh, complexity or uh, ambiguity into it. Do you, do you have a sense of where these songs might have emanated from on a lyrical level? Do, do they come from a batch of writing you were doing? Are they, are they things that have stirred, you know, stuck around for a couple of years and you just didn't know what to do with them? Well, uh, the songs, these songs came pretty slow 
and it, it's been I don't know, Bone Soldiers came out in 2012 I think so it took a while I mean I'm always writing but sometimes that's happening faster and sometimes it's happening slower and um, I do tend to at some point in the process start thinking of them as a collection of songs and then that starts to inform uh, the process in terms of maybe bringing out common themes or or lyrical connections between songs and stuff I, I get excited about that and it helps me it helps me work um, is, is the lyric actually gaze of heaven yeah under the gaze under of the gaze of heaven yeah, but the song yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. why <laughs> but the song in the album is called days of heaven that's yeah. a little is Tricky, that a, hey. is that some kind of inside joke no, not at all. I just didn't think Gaze of Heaven was a very good title. Oh. You know, it's the lyric. It's about, like, you know, you're looking at the sky and the sky's looking back at you kind of thing. Um, but Gaze of Heaven, I don't like how it sounds as a title. Right. And, like, that song in particular is kind of a New Year's Day kind of song, like a specific day of the year, you oh. know, that, that repeats every year. So, like, that one was written basically about... And on a specific day, you know, Sackville, New Brunswick, New Year's Day, some years ago. Um, and uh, so referring to it as Days of Heaven is totally appropriate in my mind, even though I don't say the word Days of Heaven in the song. I say the words Gaze of Heaven. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. There, there is a romantic thread throughout these songs. I think uh, many of your songs have that. I don't. I hesitate to call any of your songs outright love songs, but there does seem to be a romantic uh, thread here. Am I far off there? Do you, were you in a particular state of mind where you were thinking about uh, particular aspects of life and love? Well, for sure. And I mean, I use the word love a lot on this record. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a couple tunes that I would say that's a love song, either like for somebody or about the state of romantic love in some way but i there's also times where i say the word love or refer to love in these songs that that's a bit of a disguise i think i think one of the things that i really went for on this record with the lyrics was i i tried to write basically as far into something and directly into something as I could into like a a thought or a feeling or a belief, um, about, about life and existence and, and all those sorts of big things. And you reach a point where you kind of, you, you bump into something that is just bigger or escapes your language completely. And I would say love is one of those things. So that's a word that you can hang on that empty space that you can't actually talk about. And I think, you know, God is another one of those things that, you know, it's just a word to hang on, on a question or on a, on a space. Do you, do you, hmm. So there's and, some, well, I was just going to say, do you mean you, you tend to fall upon those words as a, as a poet or lyricist because they are so open-ended and all-encompassing and mean different things to different people is that what you mean no because i i'm like trying to use all the words very specifically but like a song like silence love on the record 
there's moments where I'm sort of referring to maybe what we would commonly use the word love to denote, you know, like a relationship between two people who are fond sure. of each other <laughs> or have a relationship, you know, with each other. But th- that song is also more um, about the things you can't talk about, mm-hmm. you know. The communication that goes unsaid, kind of. The communication goes unsaid, but I don't even mean necessarily between two people. Like, you know, the song ends with uh, watching, you know, the sort of waves crashing on the beach, on the ocean, and the moon above, and realizing, oh, those things are, like, happening because of each other. Right, right. You know, like, the tide is happening because of the moon. So the moon and the tide are referred to as, like, you know, beloved, Mm. you know, like in a beloved relationship with each other. Interesting. That's it. Yeah. So, so I mean like days of heaven is, you know, it takes a strong mind not to turn away from the gaze of heaven under the gaze of heaven. So, you know, you're relating to this thing that you can't understand, whether that's like God or like just the sense of like how vast the cosmos are, you know? (laughs) Sure. I mean, I I think, from my experience with you, I think of you, I don't really think of you as a spiritual person, but I think it's kind of there. Uh, are you a particularly a religious person? No, not at all. Right. But I think like, I mean, I, I mean, that's such a, a funny distinction that we try to make in our modern secular kind of ways, like the distinction between like religion and spiritual. And like, I am spiritual in the sense of like, I I'm, I'm moved by things and I think about things and I think about like meaning, you know, and my place, my place in the, in the universe and my place in like the lives of others and, and, uh, what, what does a life mean and what can it do? You know? So those are the same questions that religion can engage with, you know, like I don't believe in the particulars of the stories being told, at all, you sure, know. So sure. I do like sometimes like reading those stories because they're bonkers, you know. They're totally insane and wonderful to think about as as stories, you know. Right. So 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 there's no when you mention, you know, obviously when people hear a title like Days of Heaven, it has certain connotations. Um and when you talk about God, that's going to have certain connotations for people. So I'm just trying to figure out. Yeah, but out. so I don't, I don't talk about God in the songs, you know, because I don't like, it's not, uh, it's not really part of my vocabulary, you know? Right, right. So you're, you're alluding to them, but not delving into them? I feel like I'm delving with them, but delving into like the impulse behind speaking about God, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't put that name on it you know so some of the songs like to bring it back to what the original question was i would hang the word love on it you know sure than the word god on it okay somehow they're some somewhat i <laughs> i don't want to dwell they on relate, this <laughs> they relate in the sense that they're both kind of you can't actually speak about them you know like that's the thing that i found really interesting like you can't both those things are too big to like actually talk about directly you know so you so these songs attempt to talk about them as directly as 
as as I could. You know, that, that's that's so interesting because in general, every day we wake up and we're inundated with stories about love, stories about God, or at least conversations about one or the other. So it's interesting that you you're suggesting that we don't we can't really talk about them as though the way we deal with them maybe is so superficial that we're not really getting to them or at least we're not. Well, I think we talk about them so much because, because we can't get there, you know, like we're trying to, you know, that's why we keep attempting to talk about those things and why we can, we can talk so endlessly about it. You know, we can talk endlessly about, about love or endlessly about, you know, religious questions or spiritual questions because ultimately like we can't sum them up so we have to keep talking about them right and so like i mean if you're thinking about those those questions it all like it becomes about language you know and that's also something that's pretty interesting you know as a as a writer to think about yeah language and what you can and can't say actually with your with your language you know the vocabulary that you have and and the the structures that we have in language. It's interesting you say that because earlier you were talking about how, and I'm not sure if you were making a distinction between this record and some of your prior work, but you mentioned how you were trying to go pretty direct here, get into topics and and, t- and speak to them directly. I, I think I've said this to you before. Some of your colleagues and and peers have mentioned what a great poet we think you are. You know what 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 you do with language is quite interesting. But there can be a bit of an obstacle between poetic structure, you know, really interesting poetic structure and personal expression. Um, I think sometimes as someone who is conveying interesting language, it can be oblique on some level, or it can be so direct that it's sort of flabbergasting. You know what I mean? And I think, as you say, I, I get the impression on this record that you are, while it's poetic, it seems like, one of the purest expressions of you that I've heard. I will, I have no response to that. <laughs> I mean, it is like, the, it is me. And I, I, uh, but the goal isn't to rub myself in anyone else's face, <laughs> you know. But do you, do you, did you feel that you, when you look back at your work prior to this, this batch of songs or this record, did you feel like you were more of a, a riddle maker than you are here? Well, I didn't think of them as riddles, that's for sure. And I, like, I appreciate that turn of phrase that you used, but it's, like, it wasn't... I think there was more surface details and there was more, maybe, um, character and more, like, environment and more weather and stuff in, in previous songs and all that stuff got stripped out for most of these songs. There's a few that are that maybe have somewhat distinct locations in them, but they're these these songs are more dealing in in pretty direct statements of of you know question and attempted answer if that makes any sense. No, it does. And and I hate to circle back to our relatively prolonged conversation about your the state of your name. But I don't think that's I don't think it's Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A coincidence. Sure. I don't think it's a coincidence that you are writing more directly as Stephen Lamke as you might have under the guise of Baby Eagle. Do you? Um, I don't know. I mean, I keep I, as we're having this conversation, I keep thinking of an interview I heard Daniel Higgs uh, with Daniel Higgs from Lungfish. And he says something along the lines of, I'm not trying to express myself with the lyrics. I'm trying to express the lyrics. Interesting. Right. And so, yeah. And when you start to take that apart, and I like I would I would like to use that sort of statement sort of for as my own response to your question. (laughs) (laughs) If I may, if I may borrow, borrow an answer. Uh, Sustained. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, like the, the songs are me, you know, and they're my thoughts for sure, you know, but in working on a piece of writing or a song or whatever, there, there's, there's a threshold that you cross where you're, even if at the beginning of the song, you're like, I'd like to write about this and I would like to capture this thought or this feeling within that song you cross a threshold at some point where you're just trying to make the song work under its own terms because it's come far enough along that it's developed into its own uh, creature with its own needs and, and uh, yeah, needs and requirements to exist, you know? So at that point yeah. here, you, you are in service of that thing, you know? Which yeah, we're getting into we're getting into the territory that I sometimes get hung up on where and I think I've talked to you about this before probably, but this notion of speaking to people about their work can sometimes be this weird task that we've all kind of generally agreed upon, you know. And it could just be the nature in terms of how I'm approaching your work here in this particular day on at this particular time, but it's kind of funny sometimes that someone will spend so much time expressing themselves in a song or in a piece of art of some kind. And then they have to speak to it again. You know, they have to answer (laughs) where the, the answers probably lay in the songs, frankly, but it's like, it's almost like I don't, I guess in this case, it's like, I don't believe the songs. I want to hear it from you. Like I, I, it's a strange thing because you're just like, well, no, I'm the songs are the songs, you know, the work is the work. Yeah. I didn't feel like you were asking me to explain the songs. I thought, I, I felt like you were asking me, are those songs in the voice of a character or are they in the voice of Steve? Yeah. Or, or were they poetic for the sake of being poetic or this is not to diminish them. It's, it's, it's confusing because I, as I've told you before and I've said 
on the record. I think the, the lyrics in the last few records in particular are really mind-bogglingly good. You know, like they're just clearly really well produced, well executed, interesting, vivid, all those things. And this is not to suggest that that isn't happening on this collection of songs, but it did seem now that you've put this record out and it's sort of under your own, your own name, I don't know. It feels like this is a more personal and direct reflection of you. I was trying to say things that I believed to be true in the songs. <laughs> on these songs. Yeah, and that's not to suggest that like I was lying in other songs, but I like if we're talking about this record, I would I would say that, you know, I would say I was trying to say things that were true, you know, to me. Yeah, things and, that and, I and, believe and, to be true. I mean, I think you know, one of the things I marveled at, particularly with Dog Weather, was just how narrative, like the narrative basis of it. They seemed well, each song seemed like a like I was stepping into a story in some cases midstream, like the story was going on and I was just kind of there all of a sudden I was in it. Those songs all took place in like the real and physical world very consciously. Like that's what I wanted. I wanted those songs to like be in the world, be dirty from the world, have mud on their boots, you know, have dirt on their hands. Like that's what I was trying to write with the dog weather songs for Mm -hmm. sure. Like real, a real texture of real life and how people, you know, physically exist in the world and I, and how wonderful and important that is, you know, our physical lives. And those kinds of details are the exact, exact things that when they were included in earlier versions of some of these days of heaven songs didn't work. Like these songs, some of these songs started with those exact kind of details Mm -hmm. and they just didn't work. I couldn't get like it, it wasn't happening. And there are the things that once I start to strip those, those things out, the songs started to sing a little bit, you know, which is strange. And I don't have any real exact uh, explanation of that at all. Some of it would be just personal interest in my, you know, what was going on in my brain and things I was maybe interested in at the time. And some of that is just the peculiarities of, of creativity and trying to follow, you know, the muse. Yeah. How much of this material was, was conceived of or drafted around the time that the Constantines started to play together again? When did we start to play together again? 2014, right? I think so, yeah. Like, uh, the first shows would have been June. Uh, I guess it overlapped quite a lot. It feels like, they, I mean, they don't. it doesn't overlap in my mind, which is why I didn't, I couldn't readily answer you. Well, it's a it's a weird police detective question, right? I mean, it's how you're supposed to remember the precise day or whatever. But I, I guess I'm just curious how that was a significant moment for, I, I assume, for you guys. It was a significant moment for fans of the band. And I'm, and I, I guess in your trajectory as someone who was working on their own with you know a community of people and with you've changed records and that gang and. And then the various people you played with, like you, you, I don't think you were this isolated guy. And then the cons brought you back into a, you know, 
chemical reaction situation. I think you were already playing and collaborating with people. But I can only assume that revisiting material you made when you were younger and a sound that you sort of left behind on some level, that must have changed you on some level. You must have it must have informed what you did in your own work. Is that am I wrong? Um, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I think I think this album, this Days of Heaven album project, already sort of had its direction set. Right. Um, so I don't think you're wrong in general, but I don't know how much it came into play in making this, what, this record. What about sort of... Were there lyrical motifs that picked that you picked up on? Like, was there anything sort of emanate from the experience of, you know, getting back together with people that you'd uh, had such meaningful experiences with? I'm sure. Like, I'm sure that will come in, and like the Constantines themselves. Like, we have started to write a bit. You know, we've played a couple new songs at the last few shows we did this fall, and um, so that is happening. Yeah. And, like that's been a been a really getting back together is, was a really profound and continues to be a really profound experience like for me personally for sure it's been wonderful and it's been amazing and to uh we played shows for you know most of 2014 um back together and then 2015 started to realize we should be revisiting the creative element of the band as well and that has been a whole nother bag of snakes, you know, and it's been really awesome and another sort of uh, revelation, you know, and very difficult in some ways too, um, but wonderful. Hmm. Uh, so like all the thing that you're asking me, like, was that important in my creative life? Absolutely. hundred percent. And I would like, I would never want to suggest otherwise, but whether it came into play on days of heaven, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that's fair. I, and I mean, the fact that you, uh, I, I'd heard from Brian, uh, that songs were, a couple songs were, were played live. I unfortunately missed those last few shows. Um, but I heard that there were new songs, which was cool. And, uh, I mean, that's an outlet for you too, as a songwriter. So that must get, that those muscles must be warming up, I assume, or like, you know, <laughs> are you thinking about Constantine songs again for yourself? Um, I do. I do think about it for sure. Um, the, the thing that's exciting about revisiting that creative collaboration is the idea of writing songs together, you know, and we've written a lot of songs, uh, over the years by jamming and stuff like that. And that just requires time together, you know, and that's, that's the kind of thing I'm super, super excited about pursuing. Um, when I have the guitar in hand and I come up with a cool riff, like I recorded and maybe some of that stuff will be introduced to the band, you know, like I am definitely trying to like compile some of that stuff as it happens, you know? So I'm thinking about that stuff as well as thinking about continuing writing my own songs and whatever. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what it's, what that's all going to become. Yeah. But yeah, it's in there. Like that door, that, that door is open in, in my brain for sure. 
What, what you know, as as it is for everybody, I think you know everybody in the band. What about the reaction to the to the return? What about the actual experience of, you know, playing a big show at Massey Hall with this band? Uh, can you kind of discuss your perspective on that? You know, you've been you'd been as as Baby Eagle, you've you I guess you you know you didn't it wasn't quite it wasn't as successful as the Constantines on some level, whatever that means. You know, people weren't galvanized behind yeah, on any level. well <laughs> yeah. it just wasn't it didn't it didn't what for whatever reason it didn't i mean i think brian as a solo artist goes through the same thing it, it's for whatever reason we talked about branding earlier i mean people seem to like the thing more than they like uh the thing the things that make up the thing or somehow i don't you know if any members of the band did other stuff i'm sure it was fulfilling but it for whatever reason it wasn't as there wasn't I hesitate to call it a mania because I don't want to make you feel self-conscious, but there was, when the band returned, it was quite an amazing reaction from the general public. It was. It was amazing. It was totally amazing and shocking and totally overwhelming in the sense of, um, in every sense, (laughs) you know, it was really cool. Like it, it's to be in a collaborative project and situation with people I mean hopefully it's better than the sum of its parts you know that's the whole that's the magic of a band or any kind of collaboration you know so um I don't know man it was so it was really cool and it's it's still really cool and the Constantines like the group mind of the Constantines is not it's not the same thing as like the five individual minds slopped together. Like it just kind of becomes its own thing creatively and in any sort of practical or impractical decision-making that goes on. So it's really like, I'm very, very uh, stimulated and rewarded and immensely grateful that I'm a part of that thing, but it does it's weird that it's so hard to talk about, like, because I, like, I can't explain it, you know? And like, you've hung out with the, like, you know, the Constantines, <laughs> you know, like commun inter, like interpersonal communication, like with each other is very inefficient and very peculiar and very, uh, you know, what's Bry's line? We had an, uh, we had a understanding only yeah. we could understand. It's like, it's a beautiful, perfect line, you know? And it's so true, except I don't know that we understand it either. But, you know, that's that's the way it is, you know? it's So it's, it's hard to speak to, you know, like, what was that like? What was like joining your brain up with those other brains to do that thing again? And that's, it's wonderful and strange, <laughs> you know? No, I, you know, I think some things are you accept intangible things sometimes because you have no choice, and this seems like one of those circumstances where it's hard to pinpoint why it works. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint why it, why it probably doesn't work sometimes, but it's there, mm-hmm. and it's something. It's there's something we we tend to maybe overuse this phrase of chemistry or whatever, but you know. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. there's something to it. I think there's something to that creative force when you guys get together, and and it's you know all of us are pleased that it's happening again. 
I mean, it's like to bring this conversation back to love, <laughs> you know, it's kind of that like there's the idea that when you fall in love, like you're actually losing your sort of absolutely. individuality. Absolutely. Like, you're, yeah. You're losing um, your isolation as a person, you know, and that's why it's so it can be so overwhelming and befuddling. So that I would say, you know, is similar to to the Constantines, you know, like we love each other and it's a the the music is is similarly uh like we lose a bit of our individuality in that, you know, and that's awesome and and kind of one of the things that's so uh powerful about it, you know, for me. Well, personally. and you also know from personal experience and from, you know, rock lore that sometimes sometimes bands <laughs> learn about each other talking to other people they don't necessarily communicate the same things to each other that they might to other people and certainly you and i have been in at least one room where that that's happened where you're just like oh i didn't know that that was a thing or i didn't know that's where this was coming from and that's a weird i don't get it it happens all the time i and as a person who talks to people you know, I invariably find myself in the middle of such situations and I'm like, I don't know why that happened. Um, you know, yeah. but I mean, and that's not to excuse those moments or to excuse that behavior. Like, I think as people, like we should do our utmost to communicate with yeah. each other, you know, <laughs> like we really should. And the one thing that happened in like the Constantine's years apart is we I think we all became way more forgiving of each other in our in our faults and our uh peculiarities. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? So it it works better now for sure. Um and not necessarily that we're better at any of that stuff. Like not I don't think we're necessarily better at communicating, but we're a little bit more understanding of each other's inability to communicate. <laughs> we had an understanding only we can understand. I mean, that's, that probably helped. Yeah. Oh, you know, maybe this guy, he saw it. He got it. That's interesting. So you have yeah. a, a pretty uh, amazing band, a Stephen Lamke band. Is that right? Who's in the band right now? Well, there's a couple different ways to answer that question, like, because there's not like a, a real band you oh, know? oh there's um, not a real band oh, okay i apologize well i, I play with like... different people like the record is mostly uh tamra lindemann from weather station and ian kehoe from marine dreams uh and ross miller playing bass ross has played with marine dreams he's played with dan romano he's played with lots of different people yep that's sort of the core of the band on the record uh Mika Posen played some violin. Richard Laviolette came in and sang on a couple tunes. That violin, by the way, again, I don't mean to draw back to or call back to someone else. Really reminds me of like a Desire era Bob Dylan violin. Like what's Sweet. Scarlet? Nice. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's Scarlet Rivera. Is that her name? Okay, I, I, I hope I, I don't believe, have her name. I believe that's the name. Yeah. I mean, I love specific, that is a specific tone to that. None of the rest of the record reminds me of Desire. I don't think. Maybe actually, some of it does. It, it there's there <laughs> there is kind of a occasional like a occasionally this island feel to the record as well. Again, I don't mean to keep comparing <laughs> you to Bob Dylan, but there's this kind of feeling of uh, you know. I feel like you mentioned oceans and moons, and it does feel like beachy here and there. 
Yeah. Right on. But at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. There's just a specific tone to that violin that I... It's the only thing I think of when I hear the violin on your record is this other record and it's violin. It was really cool. It was really... I'd never... I didn't actually know Mika before. I think we'd met maybe at some point in the many years. She was a friend of uh, Tamara's and Ian and, and stuff. So some of the arrangements are actually things that Tamara had sort of, she would say, I have this idea and I'll just sing it and then maybe we could get violin to do it later. So some oh. of the things that are actually a bit more arranged on the violin are things that Tamara had sort of crafted a little bit. Oh, there so you go. Some, wow. In part on the record, even when it sounds like a big violin part, we mixed in the voice there a little bit too, and it just gave it this other kind of richer, kind of cool sound, I think. Yeah, I can hear that here and there, yeah. Um, so that was really neat. I'd never really done anything like that on any of my records before, like kind of actual like arranged string parts and stuff, you know? Yep, yep. Um, and then there was a couple other tunes where Mika was there, and I was just like, this could be cool with some violin, so... We just got her to play along a couple times, you know, and and she nailed it. It was awesome. Nice. And they were a little, those are like the looser sort of like single violin kind of parts that are going along on like in Hummingbird, for example. Yeah, those are them. It's, it's, uh, these are great songs. I hope people check out this record. Now, who's actually, so who, you've got these shows coming up. I'm going to tell everyone where you're playing and when you're playing in, the, in a little bit. But where, wh- who's in this, who, who do you have playing so with you? These shows in Ontario will be with Daniel Romano and his band basically backing me up. Because I toured with Dan in the fall um, out west and then around Ontario and Quebec a little bit, opening for Dan. Uh, And Dan was playing drums with me and Kay from the Trilliums uh, was playing a bit of violin and singing a bit. And on that tour, towards the end of that tour, Ross was playing bass with me. But Ross can do this tour, so Roddy, who plays in the trilliums now is going to be playing bass. Okay. So that's the Ontario shows. It's basically the Dan Romano band. Dan's right. playing drums. So that's really cool. Dan's an old friend of mine. We've recorded together. We've played together. We did this tour in the fall together. So I'm pretty stoked. It'll be really good. I think it'll be awesome. Okay, cool. And then Nova Scotia. And- then the shows out East will be John McKeel is going to play with me. Nice. John's going to play drums, and hopefully Jay Crocker's going to be playing bass. <laughs> Jay's been Jay's not that good on the email, so there's. But I think it's all coming together. Okay. <laughs> but so I'm also really excited about that. I've only played music very briefly with John, but he's immensely talented, as is Jay. Yeah. So um, I think it'll be really cool. Nice. It'll be really cool. Well, that's great. I'm happy for you. That, that's excellent. Well, once again, Stephen Lamke's new album is called Days of Heaven. It's uh, available now via You've Changed Records, and he's bringing the live show to towns like London, Ontario on January 13th, Peterborough, Ontario, January 14th, Hamilton, Ontario, January 15th, Guelph on January 16th, uh, let's see here, Toronto on January 17th, Halifax, Nova Scotia for the In the Dead of Winter Festival on January 21st. Sydney, Nova Scotia on the 22nd of January. And uh, the Stereophonic 13 Festival in Sackville, New Brunswick 
on the 23rd of January. And then you've just announced uh, a Wavelength show on February 13th in Toronto as part of the 16th Annual Wavelength Festival. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. I think I got... Yeah. I didn't mention the venues. Are you mad at me about that? Were you thinking, was he going to mention the places? I think people can probably look it up. Yeah, I feel they're curious. I feel badly that I didn't say the names of the places, but those are all the cities and those are all the dates. And you, and well, we'd be here all day if we, if we did that. <laughs> For more information, including the names of all the venues of the uh, city, uh, the, in the you know in the cities that I mentioned just now, please visit you'vechangedrecords.com. Steve, is there a song from the record that we can go out on? Well, may, I guess Hummingbird was the last one we mentioned. That'd be a nice one, maybe. Why did that one come to mind? Well, it was the last one I think that kind of came up in the in the natural flow of the conversation. Oh, I see. Okay, that's exactly you just said. But I think that one may be cool because, like, you know, "Days of Heaven" we kind of put out as like a single or whatever you call it when you try and get people to listen to it, and we made a video for "Memory Forever." So this would just be like, here's another one. You know, "Hummingbird's" amazing. I I actually thought it would be a nice uh, way to lead off the record. I remember uh, when you sent me the early version. I was like, oh man, that song. That'd be a great start. And then you ignored the hell out of me. Yeah, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciated your feedback. I appreciated, I solicited a bit of feedback from from some trusted uh, no, no, no. sources. I, and I, <laughs> I didn't take any of their advice because I probably should have, you know? It's like you can't hear the thing yourself at that point when you've been working on it for no, a year. No, no, I, you know I you, didn't mean to make you feel bad just now, but I think it's a, it's a wonderful song. And uh, I hope uh, I hope people like it, and and I can't wait to hear it live. That I can't wait to play it live. <laughs> this is Hummingbird by Stephen Lamke. Uh, Steve, always a pleasure to to have you on the show. Thanks for being back on the show. I think this is your third time on the show. We did one like with me, yeah, and we did the Constantine's. Yeah, one. was there another one? No. Well, this. Yeah, that's what, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you were yeah. secretly on another episode plugging a secret Constantine show, but that doesn't really count. Was I? Remember, I did a thing where we, we. Uh, oh yeah, in the jam. In the jam hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth time. Well, I'm a fan of the show, four- Vish. I super appreciate <laughs> you, you talking to me and uh, talking to a whole bunch of you know amazing artists. Well, I, I appreciate that every week. I do my best. Oh, did you say? It has. This is the first episode of 2016. Do you know that? I did not. Yeah, know. I'm a little behind behind not. schedule. <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Steve, great to have you on the show. We'll talk soon. I hope. Okay, thanks, Fish. We are creatures of quick need, stunned by beauty.
by Stephen Lamke from his new record Days of Heaven great to have Steve back on the program great to be back doing the show this was the first episode of 2016 happy new year to you I hope you had a nice holiday break if you got to have a holiday break mine was good thank you very much for asking I can hear you asking me as you listen it was fun I had a good time rough couple weeks in music we lost Lemmy from Motorhead David Bowie passed away really shocking and uh I'm not sure what else to say. I'm, I was shocked and devastated. Uh, I know a lot of people like were, were just like me, and it's just anyway. If you can listen to his new record, Black Star, it's uh, it's quite incredible and all the more haunting, given uh, that I think he viewed it as some kind of parting gift to the world, so to speak. Anyway. Let's try to look onward and upward here. On the show, coming up very soon, Michelle McAdory will be on the program to talk about her new record, Into Her Future. Working on a bunch of other cool projects. I hope they come to pass. Got some proposals in. I want to do some stuff with people I like. Remember, I I, I had some fun things there. Not just the interviews. I did some fun things. I want to do those. Working on it. See what happens. Hey, if you want to listen to Creative Control with Vish Khanna, you can. It's available on iTunes and audioboom.com, and all the episodes are also available at vishkana.com. Go to patreon.com to make a flexible monthly donation to the show. We still have some t-shirts for sale. If you'd like one, let me know. The show exists on Facebook. There's a Creative Control with Vish Khanna Facebook page. Also on Twitter, at Vish Creative. And a version of the show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario and the Kitchener-Waterloo area. You can also listen around the world at CFRU.ca. Rest in peace, David Bowie. Rest in peace, Lemmy. Let's get through this. It's going to be a good year. I know it. It has to be now. Okay? All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.